there was just, I didn't know how to cope with that because my life is over, the life I had. And this new version they're presenting me, I don't like it. I don't want it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Ariel Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. I have a fantastic guest with me and I am excited to have her join me. I could go through how amazing she is. I could tell you how many ups and downs she's had in life, but I think I'll introduce her as Anna and ask her to please introduce herself as she sees fit. Okay. Thank you, Matt. First of all, thank you for the invitation. I'm a podcaster as well. I have a blog and well project business called The Healer Hip Hop. I'm also a mom. I'm also a kidney warrior, as we call ourselves. I'm thinking of myself as an as a creative entrepreneur. That's what I came up with because I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's it summarizes like I have this creative side to me, and I have this analytical side with me, and I am a businesswoman. So yeah, I think I'm that. That's amazing. So we've known each other for about hmm, two years, about two years now. Yeah, I, I thought more because yeah. No, we just got that bond like we know each other for a long time. That's what that is. <laughs> exactly. But no, in the time I've known you, because we know each other through Music Football Fatherhood, because you're a part of that and you help with the uploads of articles and stuff like that, you come up with some amazing ideas that we normally run with because you are a good creative. But also you've gone through quite a few stuff. Just wait to know, because obviously this with this podcast, it's all about exploring the idea that when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? And I think there's not enough conversations around it because we think it's very black and white that, yo, you copped an L. All right, cool. What does that mean? And then really, was it really a loss when you look back in hindsight or did you gain something from it? If it's all right with you, I want to discuss the first L and you mentioned it's about kidney failure because you're a kidney warrior. Please elaborate on that. Tell us, tell us how the journey started into that. Yeah, first of all, I love the project because um, it's exactly for people like I was at that time because I was a very healthy woman at that time, a young mother. I was, well, excuse me, I'm, I'm from Germany, so my English might be like, I'm, I'm thriving. I was thriving at that time. I was a, an auditor. I've, I've done all that by myself. I've been a single mom. You know, I've been, I felt so powerful. And then out of nowhere, and I have no family history with that, and I was living very healthily. So I was really, I felt really insulted from by life for getting this because out of the blue, I had this kidney fail- failure and not just a little bit. I had, like my kidneys had failed down to 20%. They were only... 20% kidney function left. And that was not much. That's absolutely not much. And many people will have to go to dialysis at that point. I was lucky to, well, I was given another five years until I had to go on dialysis, but those five years were very, very hard for me. And it was very hard for me to accept. And this. especially as a mom as well. Uh, everything. It, it, it was, yeah, it was the mom part. It was me as a woman. 
it was me as a, I was successful until that time. So out of the blue, I couldn't work uh, for, for two full years. I could not, I was not able to work. So obviously <laughs> after those two years, I was broke. Then I fought myself back to the, the, the business part and, and I worked part time for the remaining years. And that was like, that did something to me. It affected me because before that, I defined myself um, with being su successful, you know, and with being strong and, and out of the blue, I wasn't, I wasn't strong anymore and I was not independent anymore. I, I needed a lot of help. Yeah. So in that stage of your life, what was going through your mind? Like, how was you feeling emotionally? The fact that, like you said, you're just doing your thing, you're thriving, you're being successful. And then life just came about and just whoosh. How how did you mentally cope with that? Where was your headspace at then? I, I couldn't cope with it. I think that's why it took me two years. I think other people, like, I think part of the two years I, I was not able to work was not just because of the failure and the less energy I had. It was the time that I needed to cope with it because the one thing was everything I thought I was, was no more. So who was I? Who Who is is me when I'm weak, when I'm dependent, when I'm not successful, when, when I'm not even able, when I'm not able to do what I want to do and what I thought I could. And the other part was being afraid because I was told like I had to reduce my stress levels. And obviously the life I had lived, feeling this strong and independent woman it was a very fast life, a healthy life in a ways that I never did drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I ate healthily, but my life was so stressful. And I think that played a role in, in me getting that ki kidney failure. So I was told to reduce stress and I, I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, my, my body forced me to reduce stress, but there was this other stress of, okay, so, if everything I, I loved before, like dancing, driving cars, working, just meeting people, doing things that normal people do, everything stressed me because I didn't have the energy. So there was just, I didn't know how to cope with that. It, it took me, it took me more than those two years. It took me two years to get back to a level where I was like, okay, take good care of myself and just stay in bed to have no stress at all. Or whether I will have a little stress and at least feel like I'm living a life. Either way, my kidneys will continue to fail more and eventually I will be, will need dialysis. So there's no need for me to stay in bed because that's not life. Yeah. So, you're not living at that point. Absolutely. So I, that's, yeah, that's one way how to cope with it. Like I, I, I just made that decision like, okay, even if I might feel stress, but if it's a positive stress, like me meeting someone or going to some kind of festival, like I'm not even talking uh, clubs or dancing anymore. I, I couldn't really couldn't do that. Is it just a social, the social activity? Yeah. Yeah. So just doing that, that I, I, I learned to see that, okay, some things give me energy back. So it's worth the stress, you know, and it's, that's what I, I, I had to redefine what's, what life and living means to me. And I did that. And after that, 
yeah, I, I was able to work again like part time. And I kind of felt for the first time in my life, there is a, a certain joy in slowing down and just, yeah, just enjoying the little things. And it, that sounds so cheesy, but no, I, I, I really, I felt so grateful for, for just, yeah, okay. I can go home at like at 12 o'clock. I might not have as much money I used to have before, but I get to cook for my son and I get to maybe have a little walk outside when it's still sunshine outside and, and not sit in a, in an office. So I, I, I really started to, to get a new look at life. And I had to, I had to deal with fears. I had to deal with the fear of maybe if I go there or do that, my kidneys might fail worse. Yeah. So I had to learn to accept fear as a part of life. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and there was no way to escape that. So. And I think that's quite profound. A lot of us don't want to accept the negative parts of life. I think, I think we shy away from it and think that, you know, stay away from bad people, don't do anything wrong. And let's be fair, those that have always been in a bubble, always been protected, cuddled, you know, just, just in that safety world, you look at them and say, yo, you're going to get so beat up in the real world because you just have no street understanding at all. You're just going to get, they're going to look at you and go, preppy, I'm coming for you. And, I feel that life kind of is a bit like that in terms of if you're not, if you scraped your knee every now and again, if you haven't been roughed up a little bit, one day science is going to hit you one way and you're going to be like, either you're going to be down for the count or you're going to learn to pick yourself back up Absolutely. and go again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got a question for you because I, I think it's interesting to explore a little bit. What was your definition of success at that time? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one because like, that's why I love your podcast because clearly looking back now, I would not want to live that life anymore. But at that time, my definition of success was what other people thought of me. Other people looked at me like, Oh, wow. How does she do that? How can she be an auditor and be a single mother and drive her son to her dad, uh, to his dad on weekends and then have a, a, a weekend like full of festivals and clubs and, oh, she's so strong and she's so, yeah, I, I don't know, having fun all the time. Like that's how my life looked. Like there were, there were no people. <laughs> It was just me thinking of what people might look like, but there were no people applauding me, but it was just my perception of what I thought I, I, I would have to be. Yeah. How I wanted people to look at me. Yeah. So the success that you had formulated in your mind was based on the opinions of people that you had never actually heard say these words. No. I had never actually approached you and said, this is, this is a standard I expect from you. You just. No. And especially not the ones close to me, the people close to me, my family, they told me, your lifestyle doesn't look healthy to me. It, you seem to be running, running, running. Oh, and, and I forgot to mention that right before I had my kidney failure, I started to, um, I applied for another, it's a, it's a German thing. Uh, it's, yeah, it's something like an exam, like an auditor exam. So, I, I wanted to do that to that on top of everything else, you know, and I had a little, my son was five or six at that time. So I don't even know where I was running to, but I, obviously I was running. <laughs> and, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because 
with what you've told me, it kind of reminds me of that phrase where they say, if you don't make time for your well-being, your body will make you, you'll have to make time for your illness. That's 100% sure. That's, that's true. And it's not even just that. I think it was my soul calling. My soul was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this is not the way. That's not why you're here. That's not even what you like. You hate that job. <laughs> you hate, you hate it every day. Why, why do you think that's successful? Yeah. You're not even getting anywhere. So I think, I think it's, it's my, it was my soul calling me or making it very clear. This is not where we're going. So. But at that time, did you feel betrayed by your body? Absolutely. Absolutely. Body, life. I felt so betrayed by everyone. You know, you, you have to know that this was also a doctor's mistake because my doctor that I, I went before my, my my kidney failure, I went to him like six times a year because I was not feeling well. He never checked my blood pressure. He never checked my blood. So he, he could have known and we could have stopped this maybe at 80% or 60% levels. Yeah. You know, so, so I was mad at him. I was mad. I felt so betrayed by my body, by life, then by the government because money I got while I was sick. Yeah. That was, I, I was like, I was running out of my savings because the money I, I received was not enough. So I felt betrayed on so many levels. Yeah. When you have, something like that happened there's there's a process that you have to go through mm-hmm. and you know you've got learning curves and you've got like a grieving curve as well in terms of how you process mm-hmm. the information i would assume if you've then been handed what some would say is an l in life how did you handle that like did you have any negative ways of coping with that absolutely i think i would cope with this now differently but at that time i i think the the right word in english is i was salting Sulking. Yeah, sulking. I was sulking for two years. (laughs) So how that looked was I was uh, basically watching movies every day, sleeping, staying in bed. You you might call that depressed. It was like my silent protest against this new reality. Yeah. I also, like, not in detail, but I really questioned myself, do I want to resubscribe to this, to, to life? Do I really want to continue from here on? Because my life is over the life I had and this new version they're presenting me. I don't like it. I don't want it. I need to ask this question because I think I I don't know why I haven't asked it before, but I'm just thinking, right. If I am just going for a checkup Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like, you're at twenty percent. Like, what did that conversation do to a person? Like, did I would have probably? I I can imagine I'd probably stop listening. I'll st- I'll go into a bit of a daze, going sorry. Yeah. <sighs> what does that? <laughs> Why is it not picked up? Like, where was your head? Where? How did you not just get up and what? <laughs> yeah, my my problem was at the time I was at the hospital because um. Uh, they, they, like, I, I went there because, um, I had, like, I didn't see anything in my, in my left eye, it was. Oh, wow. So I thought I had something with my eye. And then I went to the doctor. The doctor sent me to the hospital. They almost sent me back home. Just imagine. And if they did, I would have died pretty quickly because nobody did, 
detected it. Yeah. But the professor, he was like, your eyes are fine, but obviously you must have high blood pressure. And he yeah. checked my blood pressure and was absolutely through the roof. Mm-hmm. So, so I was in the hospital already. So I knew, okay, things are severe, maybe. Yeah. But I've been there before. I've been there three times before. So I didn't think too much of it. I was like, okay, yeah, that's a little bump in the road as usual, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So then the doctor comes in and says, well, that's what you got. And then, you know, the the worst part was not even him telling me what I have right now. Mm -hmm. The worst part was him telling me what I'm expecting. Expecting was dialysis pretty soon. Yeah. A kidney transplant. And I knew at that time, like, there was no one available, like, uh, in my family, be able to give me a, a transplant. Yeah. And the waiting lists in Germany, I knew that, were very long, like 10, 12 years. So I knew that already. Yeah. Then he said, okay, but what we will try to prevent these two things is give you uh, steroids like cortisone. Okay, yeah. To stop the, the inflammation. Uh-huh. And that comes with the following side effects you will get super fat, you might get diabetes. So that's what what was what remained wow. in my head. Like in my head <laughs> I was I didn't care. Yeah, kidney failure, whatever. But what what are you telling me? I'm a woman and you're telling me like the worst things of everything that I I didn't even know. And I told him that later. Like I told him, you you cannot do that. Like that Yeah. You cannot I, I couldn't process it. You cannot hit me with all the side effects of a potential drug you're potentially giving me to potentially yeah. stop an inflammation. You know? So so I had like a certain filter and and what else he told me is I couldn't get pregnant or shouldn't get pregnant anymore. And at that time I wanted to. Yeah. So um I had a I had a relationship at that time, like yeah. So um and that 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 were the things I was most worried about. Like, oh my God, like my what's this doing to my body? What's this doing to yeah, me as a woman. Uh, I mean, I was 28 at that time. So. so it sounds like that was a very crushing blow in terms of a lot of your dreams and aspirations and potential reality Everything. was just robbed from you in, ter- in, this, in just one conversation. Everything. Everything I wanted. Everything. I, I, I couldn't process it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... Not- yeah, it 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 could have helped. Like if at at the moment of getting such a dia- diagnosis, uh, you yeah. should really get a counselor or some some therapist or something. But they didn't have that, and the waiting list for a therapist was, was like six months. Well, wow. within six months, I, I found yeah. ways, you know, to cope. But uh, those those first months, I I, I didn't even. So I know you said you was in a relationship that. Could, were there someone you could talk to or was there anyone else you could talk to to kind of help you process this information? Um, oh. <laughs> uh, the thing is, up to today, nobody ever really understood. No, I didn't. I didn't. People who don't have this disease, they cannot understand it. The only people who could relate to me or I could relate to or understood how I felt were people uh, having um, a burnout or a depression because of the reduced energy levels and the the feeling of you cannot rely on your body anymore? So I had a friend at that time who was who who had a burnout, and you know sometimes 
like the very few times we met, yeah. we would meet and then say, okay, can we just not talk for 10 minutes because I'm super stressed? Yeah. <laughs> so, so these were the people who understood me the most. Mm-hmm. But my family, they had like their own versions of having to process this, including my son, including, including my parents. But they, they had a different pain yeah. with this, but they could never understand what that meant to me. Never. Yeah. They could. That's really, uh, I'm not going to lie, I appreciate you sharing because I can only imagine how much it might feel hard reliving these emotions and feelings. Okay. and. My hope is that there is going to be people that, that listens to this. I'm not trying to do this for any self glorification, but I just think there's not enough information out there that talks about when people have gone through hardships and Absolutely. how you initially felt. And if you're still here to tell the tale, share that story to other people who are going through it. Cause I know when I was younger, I didn't understand that there was so many, I couldn't connect the dots. I'd watch TV and it would show me, like, I like to make jokes but I'll make a joke like Will Smith might in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the original, not the new one. <laughs> and, you know, it'll be funny, it'll be edgy, and then it'll go fade to black. And next, you know, everything's funny and laughing, move to the next scene. I tried them jokes with my mum. It didn't end well. <laughs> so when you then got people going through what looks like depression or, you know, whatever the scenario is, it can fade to black and literally, you know, it's okay. That's fine. But I need to know, what happened in that time for mm-hmm. me to know it will be okay? Because if I don't know it's going to be okay, I'm going to end up writing my own version of that story. Yeah. And we might not get to the same conclusion, unfortunately. And I think it's just nice to try and create a hub. You know, why would I, why would I put this on anyone else to do when I potentially have the ability to do it? And I think you sharing your story, and I'm hoping this will resonate with people to sort of say, wow. Yes, I might have been robbed of a situation I thought I wanted or I deserved or whatever, however you want to word it. But potentially, there was a greater reason for why it happened. Absolutely. And I'm potentially in a more more fortuitous position. I want to go with that word. It's my podcast. I'm making words up. (laughs) Yeah, we're running it like that. But you could be in a much better position, the opportunity that, you didn't get that you thought was an L is potentially one that wasn't for you and was potentially on a road to disaster. So I'd ask you this question in regards to all the stuff you was doing and thinking and feeling, how did you find the strength to still be a parent to your son? Because I know when I I love my son, but when I'm not well, I, I still find the strength because I don't know, I just love him, but I couldn't imagine being in a place where, I was depressed where I, cause I've, I've had depression in the past. I couldn't understand. And this was before Avery was born, but I couldn't understand or see how, when I don't care about my own well being, how am I then going to try and muster up the strength to care about another human being and still put on that happy face to try and create that, that, that environment you think they deserve, but you are just literally faking it. The thing about me is that I used to fake my own life until that point. Like I used to fake being happy. I used to fake feeling successful, feeling happy to myself. I faked it to myself. Oh, wow. So I was super used to that. I, that was not the problem to me. Yeah. 
the relieving part to me. And the first time in my life I had that, like I had this, I was allowed to be weak. Yeah. So I was lucky to have at that time, he had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful kindergarten. Yeah. In, in Germany, you go to kindergarten until you're six years. Oh no, I think he just started school, but he, after school, he went to that kindergarten. Like they, they had lunch together and did some things together. So he stayed there, I think till three. So that helped me. So he was, he was gone from eight to three. I did yeah. not have to cook lunch for him. So I had all day for myself, good sleep, lay in okay. bed, sulk. <laughs> and then at three, I was ready to, to, yeah, fake it. And then he, he gave me. Oh my God, he was so sweet and he was so innocent. So I, I, I wanted, not just wanted to give him this. I, he gave me hope back. He gave me him loving me with all this, you know, with me being weak, yeah. me laying in bed, me not being able to cook well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that allowed me to, to take care of him. But my mom helped a lot. Like there were many days, weeks I was, too too weak. Like I could not take care of him for a whole weekend in the beginning. I could not. I was no no no. I was not fit. Yeah. You need those hours of me time just to process it all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just the processing. I I, I at that time I started um getting um I don't know how you call it in the UK somebody who helps me clean my house because I couldn't do it. Just like I did, a cleaner or yeah. yeah I didn't have the strength to do it. Yeah. Because um, I was very, very weak. Like you have to imagine after the kidney failure and after this, the cortisone therapy thing. Yeah. I had lost all my muscles. So my main priority was to get any kind of fitness back. Yeah. And that's not easy with 20% kidney function because your energy level is just uh, limited because, um, yeah, your kidneys need time to clean your blood so yeah. they will tell you right now your blood is not clean lighter yeah so yeah i would like to ask you how did you get from 20 percent kidney failure to where you are kidney <laughs> how did that happen and when did the penny drop for you when was the when was a turning point for you and what was it that yeah. kind of helped you just go i can now see when was that for you that's that's the key. Like the first years, I have to say years, yeah. I spent being and feeling like a victim. Like, mm -hmm. okay, please somebody help me. Yeah. So, and I think that's why your podcast is very valuable for people who are in this phase, because I think this phase is part of it. Don't beat yourself up. Because it's it was a big transformation from there yeah. to today. And right now... I, I'm so glad this happened because I would not like to change my life. But yeah. at that time, it didn't feel good at all. And it didn't feel good at all for a long time. The penny dropped when finally I was told, okay, after five years, here we are, you have to do dialysis. That was crushing because I tried to avoid it for five years and I, yeah. I was successful at that. But that also meant reducing my life a lot. Because the 20% didn't remain, it was 17%, then 15, then 13. And that's yeah. nothing. 
And so my biggest fear was I was running away from this dialysis, dialysis. Could you just explain what dialysis is for those that may not know? Yeah, that's a good thing because I didn't really know what it was. All I knew is I didn't want it. <laughs> I didn't even what want now? to. No. Yeah, I didn't even want to know about it. Dialysis is, luckily we have that because if I had like heart failure, there's nothing similar to, to dialysis. So yeah. The dialysis machine helps you to stay alive. And in order to do that, you go there three times a week. In my case, for five hours, sometimes it's four hours. You go to something like a hospital mm-hmm. and then a machine literally washes your blood. Like obviously that involves blood being taken out of your body, being washed in some way that it's too difficult to explain. Yeah. And then getting back into your body. And this whole process is helpful, but exhausting. Yeah. And hurtful. And you're, laying in that chair and you cannot move because your arm, you you have to keep your arm in one position. So you only have one arm left for five hours, three times a week. And as horrible as that sounds, and as much as I didn't want it, that was the best thing that happened to me. So right now I'm a full believer of everything you're afraid of. Please just, just go for it (laughs) because it was my the first time again in my life, I was granted five hours where I didn't have to do anything. I yeah. didn't have to do anything. It was enough for me to just be there. Yeah. And that's that was to me because I wasn't like that. I wasn't wired like that. I always felt like I had to prove something and fight something. Yeah. But there, there was no fighting. Just you being there is enough. So... At first, I started just um, watching, you know, Netflix, Prime, <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I was even too tired for that. So, I eventually started podcasts at yeah. that time. That was around 2015, 16. So, it was still pretty young, Yeah, the whole podcast scene. But the things I heard in those five hours, oh my God, they were mind-blowing. Mind-blowing about people like digital nomads, people just creating their own businesses, people starting their own podcasts. Yeah. And that it, it was now a time that these things were available for everyone, even for people who studied business, even though they had absolutely no interest in it yeah. and, and became an auditor, people yeah. like me. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, my my whole, um, the things I loved, music, hip hop music, I, I wanted to, I, I used to, actually, I am kind of a singer. I used to want to become a singer. Yeah. But, you know, this, the life I've created didn't allow for those things. So here was me at this dialysis machine, like being reminded of my old dreams. Yeah. And being encouraged to go for them because now there's a time where everyone can just uh, create and publish things which yeah. wasn't possible, say, around 2000 or something. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, that, and that, there was a lot of like this self-development um, podcast I listened to as well. So okay. all of those things, they put me back into my power. Like I've heard of people who, who had way worse conditions than me. Yeah. And who were making the most of it. And, and that really 
changed my life. So I promised myself at that time, while I was at dialysis, I promised myself those five hours, uh, three days a week. Yeah. I want that. Even if I have a kidney again, I want that myself. That's fantastic. So is that something you now do? Like at least no, allow I just, yourself? I just remembered that like recently I remembered because I'm, I'm kind of back to hustle mode. So that's <laughs> something that happened, happens to most people who overcome hard things. Yeah. As soon as life is back to normal, as soon as I got my kidney from my dad, I'm back to the ordinary worries. Yeah. I should be grateful every day, but I'm still mad at whatever yeah. <laughs> little things, you know? So I just felt like, no, but at least now I'm more aware of yeah. me losing the, these goals and, and losing track. So I was like, Hmm, this is not the life, not how I want to feel every day. Yeah. All this hustling and doing more and more. I don't want that. So I, I just thought about that, like allowing myself five hours of just not having to do anything. Yeah. And that if, if I am able to do that, I will feel rich. Well, let's be fair. Time is the greatest currency you have. Mm -hmm. And I think there is that phrase every day you should meditate for five minutes. And if you're too busy, make it an hour. <laughs> like it, it, it is just so clever, yeah. so well put. You just feel like. It's true. May, if you are too busy, make it out. I just feel like, oh, wow, I need to find five minutes. And, and it, 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 it's, it's, it's true. I love it. I've got a question for you then, because I want to close off this particular segment. And I want to ask you a question now, which is, what would you tell your younger self at your lowest point at the moment? What would you tell them when you thought you was just handed the biggest L in life? What would you say to yourself about that? I would say... And I do say that to people where I, who, who are experiencing similar things right now, like losing their job or who are getting ill or having a burnout or depression, N not depression. I'm, I'm, I'm more careful with that, but burnout. I tell them, this is your soul calling and this is a big, big chance for you. So listen, listen, because I, like those years I spent sulking, I was not listening to my soul still. So actually, I, 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 in, in myself, within myself, I congratulate everyone who's going through things like that. Yeah. Because usually it comes with big, um, a big transformation and a big chance to, to live a more purpose, purposeful life, a, a life closer to yourself. Yeah. Um, but it depends on the person, of course. I mean, there are people obviously who've been through, so much and and who who try to get up and who still get beaten down that's that's different but people like me at that time who who feel like greater than life and who get beaten down i would congratulate them like finally finally so, you have to listen yeah so your words to yourself would be just listen to your soul you need this you need yeah. to hear what's being said yeah it, it, like this life works for you not against you so this is for you so what is this trying to tell you it's safe to say that growth is an uncomfortable process and pain is a necessary investment for progress i stress that if ever you get ill or hurt against your will it's just a quiz from god this is our test ah uh, yes so uh, that's a nice segment i think to go on to the next one this next l do you want to discuss i find very interesting when you sent it to me and even now i'm looking at it going really 
Mm-hmm. Really? So for, for those of you listening, this next one that Anna will like to discuss, and don't laugh. Don't. It's, it's a serious topic. Do not laugh. Don't. Don't worry, I'm going to laugh. Breaking my leg the day I wanted to quit my job. Like, come on. D- d- really? Yeah. Right. Go on. T- from the top, how'd this go? <laughs> this was... This was a test. Life was testing me. How much do you want to quit this job? So, okay, let's fast forward. So I'm on dialysis. I I went to dialysis in 2015. Now we fast forward to 2016. So I got used to dialysis. And I, I was still in my old job that I hated, that I finally found out I hated. But that was the safest version for someone at dialysis, of course, you know, because they were forced to keep me. So you should not leave your job, right? So now I was listening to all these podcasts and felt like, well, I should leave. Like if I really follow these things, I should not continue wasting my valuable time and energy in a job where I like, I cannot even progress there because they don't even, they don't even consider me a normal person anymore because of this kidney failure. So Okay, so I get this job offer, a very good one by a startup, a young guy who who needed a, a business development manager. Never done that before. And obviously, I, uh, at that time, I've been on dialysis, I think, almost a year. So pretty stable, but still dialysis is no joke. And at any time, things can go wrong and you might have to return and go back to the hospital. So you clearly should not change your job right yeah you need that stability you need to have that money still coming in everything else exactly so this guy comes and asks okay he wants me for the job and i said okay you know what i have this situation i'm on dialysis i can give you my part-time i can be there for you from 8 to 12 and then i have to go to dialysis or home so i can offer you that and he was okay with it and then i told my old employer look you have a chance to get rid of me. And, you know, we both want that. <laughs> so um, I have an offer for you. I will start working for this guy for three months to see if, if it fits. Yeah. And if after three months I decide I want to work for him and everything's cool, I will quit my job at your company. And within those three months, you don't have to pay for me. But if I don't like it there, the job is still mine right here with you, right? Yeah. So we had this arrangement. I liked the job. I wanted to, well, three months were over. So I was just on my way to go to my company after three months and tell them I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, (laughs) you're rid of me and I'm, I'm I'm going to that new company and I am falling down the stairs that I, I, I've, I've walked down millions of times because it's in my house. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm falling down and not just a normal falling down your stairs. I fell down in a way that I broke my, 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 my thigh and not just a normal, <laughs> I don't know. You're laughing about it now. Gosh, I'm cringing right now. I'm like, Oh, it was like my whole thigh from, from the knee to the hip. It was like a, a whole cut through it. Oh. It was painful and I was like, when they, when they took me to the clinic and they, it, it took them like two doses of, of morphium to get me there because oh it, it hurt so much. And then they told me you broke your leg. And I was like, no, 
Because I, <laughs> I need to go to my job and quit my job. <laughs> I got things to be doing today. Yeah. <laughs> you do yours and I do mine, right? Oh, <laughs> you guys see me enough here already. I don't need to come back here for another visit. <laughs> oh my God. And then I had a decision to make. I had to really decide, okay, do I risk this new employer who, like in German law, your new employer can can get rid of you at any time with no reason within yeah. six, the first six months. So do I risk the broken leg uh-huh. and still go do the new job? Yeah. And risk him, like, how do you call it? Like laying me off after two months or something? Yeah. They could fob you off to sack you, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Or do I still continue with my job? And I still quit my job. So... And that's why I'm such a believer in where your worst fear is, like dialysis or leaving a job. If you really have a good option, do it. Don't be afraid. There is no escaping those things. And and that was the best thing I could do. Best thing I could do. And that really, and and just that experience, it made me feel strong again. And it made me feel like, okay, I'm not a victim anymore. I can, I can still decide things and I'm not, I'm not just that sick person that cannot, doesn't have any more options. I still have options. So yeah, that was very empowering for me. So when you had that fall, that terrible sounding fall, I, <laughs> are you traumatized by your stairs, by the way? Because I feel like I would do. I'd look at them sideways and go, I, I'm moving house. I, I, no, I, no, you done me dirty. Like, come on. Um, I Sometimes when I walk down these stairs, I'm looking at them like, I mean, I I still don't get it. It's just four little stairs. Hang on, it's only four steps. Right. Yeah, but I fell from the from the from the top to the bottom. No, no, no. Only four. I comfortably jump on four. Yeah. You know what? Let me not say that because watch how I say that. And next you know, <laughs> I'm on the other end of the mic, guy. Oh my gosh! I went to do this and I bust my leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I did like I I I I tried to. I was I was. My phone was in one hand, so yeah. I tried to hold myself. Like when I f- felt that I'm falling, I tried to hold myself at the what is it called? That thing where you the hold railing. Your railing. Yeah, and that that's kind of when I did a turn, and then in within turning, <laughs> that's when I broke my leg. That stupid way. But if I didn't do that, I would fall fall on my head, and I think that's way worse. So, yeah, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna just dash the phone and myself. I just think that's probably no, no, no. There was no time for that. There was absolutely no time. That that was, I was already falling when I realized. Like, like, yeah, that was a very quick. (laughs) That sounds absolutely painful. With you then breaking your leg, being all that pain. Mm -hmm. Obviously, dialysis is still very. Yeah. How did you keep yourself from slipping into a, a relapse of how you felt previously? Because obviously, life has already handed you an L. And you're thinking, ah, oh, like, I, okay, okay, I've got this. I've got this. This isn't the L that, okay, I, no, 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 I, I can, I can make this work. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, right. The startup opportunity. Bang. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? What exactly. is going on here? Is it a buy one, get one free? Why yeah. has this happened to me again? What am I going to do? And then now you're meant to not be stressing, but now you're faced with a decision that's going to impact yeah. not just your own life, but obviously yeah. your son's life and everything yeah. else that you're trying to plan around. So you're thinking, so I can stay in my job that I absolutely do not like and mm-hmm. doesn't not 
want me and I don't mm-hmm. want them. Mm-hmm. I can go to this startup, which sounds like a fantastic opportunity. And I can give them 100% because I'm here. They're doing part-time. But hang on, what? I've now busted my leg. Yeah. And if things, if I can't keep up because maybe I'm in too much pain and I, I just mm-hmm. need a little bit of time, they might say, do you know what? Anna, mm. you're a lovely girl, but you're kind of not cutting it the way you was during them three months that we went mm. through. Yeah. How did you cope with that and not slip back into that negative headspace? Because I had a, a goal. I My goal was, I saw, you know, I saw an opportunity and I wanted to go for it. That's what I still wanted. And my opportunity was the new job. And there was something that happened <laughs> or tried to keep me from that new job and the and the goal. But my goal was to escape my old, it felt like a trap before, you know, it felt like you, that's all you get, yeah. you know, that's, that's all you get for five years. You, you don't have a kidney uh, or not, not much of a kidney function now and you're trapped. You, you, you're forced to, to live a life. You are already forced to live a reduced life. And then within that you're forced to work for people and with people. I mean, there were some of them who were, I mean, I had fun with because they were young and they were nice and they, they saw me as who I am, but my bosses didn't. And I was just like, yeah, we have to, you know. Yeah. And that didn't feel good. I'm, I have a little proud, uh, pride, you know, I don't. So, so I just didn't want to accept the limits of my life. I didn't want to accept that. I didn't want to accept the, what, what, I don't know, what my fears. Yeah, told me to accept as my reality. I did not want to. I think that's something that a lot of us would be good if we reminded ourselves more frequently. Also what helped, you know, working part-time, I had only a little amount more than what you get here in Germany if you have no job at all. Hang on, what? If you're like on welfare. Oh, okay. That makes you know? sense. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, where literally... How much worse can it get if I lose the job? Yeah. What What am I afraid of, really? Like, what can I really lose? Like, I'm already... And with the old job, I knew... They already told me, like, every year I might get 1% or 2% more, but never... I would never... No matter how good my brains are, yeah. no matter how much I know, they would never promote me. They okay. told me that. So I knew I would not even... I don't know. I would not earn... a a euro more than that. So why would I stay with that? And then on the other hand, I had the the opportunity to, to progress, you know? Yeah. So no, no, no. Mm -mm. I, I, I got fearless and that's, and that was very empowering. Yeah. So do you think then obviously the first L was sort of, it was defining in terms of it helped your mindset change the time that you had to listen to other people create a new pathway for themselves not relying on employers or whoever else to you know to make it happen for them do you think all of that contributed towards your approach to when what looks like an L because there's probably other L's that have been handed to you in the life but since obviously what's happened then you realize that maybe that L isn't a loss it's an opportunity it's a learning it's how much do you really want it because I'm, I want to test you right now because if you can just walk into this job it's easy to make that decision. But if there's something that gets put in your way 
how much do you really, really want it? That's how I look at things. I, I learned how to look at things like that because life rewarded me for overcoming those things. You know, I just remember two years prior to that, that was a game changer as well. All my life, I, I used to sing, but I never sang in front of people. Okay. So then I, I learned that's something I allowed myself while I was having that kidney failure. And, and that was one part of me getting back into life was me taking singing lessons. Okay. And then the teacher said, look, mm, it's fun learning with you, but I think you should just come and join my stage. Wow. So, yeah, I was like, okay, thanks. I know I can sing, but I know I cannot sing in front of people. <laughs> you can sing, yeah. <laughs> so I, but I, I accepted the challenge and I, I really made the uh, decision. I want to sing on that stage with her. And the day before that, I had a, such a strong cold and my, my voice was, was gone and everything. And that was a test. Yeah. So I decided I'm getting on that stage, even if I don't have a voice anymore. Even if I have fever, I'm getting on that stage. And I did. Yeah. And after that, there was no cold, no coughing. It was just a test. My body was afraid. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened with the stairs. It's like my body was like, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous zone. We're not leaving that job. So I, I, I looked at it like that. And also what dialysis taught me, you know, the only reason to go to dialysis is to continue living. Yeah. If you don't go, you will die within a week or two. Yeah. So why am I going there really for that job? No, I'm not. So I'm going there because I want to live a life that I like, at least like. Yeah. And that's, so that made my decision easy. It made it an easy decision. Like, I don't care. I don't like it there. So I'm going to this way. And if they don't want me, I will find another way for me to have a life that I like. But fear will not stop me anymore. Yeah. I like that. that yeah. That, that <laughs> you're going to dialysis to stay alive. But why are you staying alive in an environment that you don't? Yeah. Ask like? yourself. Yeah. Why am I putting myself through this drama if I yeah. don't like the environment? I mean, that, that, that's levels. That's, that's, that is so, wow. And actually it's, it's, it's like that for everyone. It's just not as visible, but every, everything you do, you do in order to get by, don't you? Yeah. You wouldn't have to go to work, but you're going to work so that you can live yeah. right. So why are you doing that? It's just that. In my case, it was more visible, like, okay, yeah. I don't have to do this. But actually, it's it's like that for everyone because you don't know how much time you have here, you know. And it's important that you make the most of it. And yeah. as um, a mutual friend that we both know, Kalai, will say, live full, die empty. Yeah. I think that's important. I, 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 I can't stress so much how the conversation we've had just feels so important to me because I'm hoping this is something that will live beyond any of us and always be relevant to other people to pick up and understand that bad things will always happen. Yes. A bad thing doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing to you because I got taught when I was younger and this guy, don't ask me why he told me this, but I didn't understand at the time. He said to me, Matt, do you know it's good to have bad people around you? I'm like, what? What? Why? And he's like saying, because you learn from their mistakes. <laughs> 
And that was his perspective. Yeah. And he liked me enough to share that with me as a young boy mm-hmm. to know that I didn't have to go down a bad path to know how to dodge the consequences of that. But I can see them. Nice. And I think we need more of that. We need more of that in life because unfortunately I grew up in a time where there was youth centers. So where my dad wasn't around, there was youth centers where there was maybe an older guy there that would sort of say what he had to say to me, you know, call me out on certain stuff. Fine. My mom couldn't do that. But now we don't have that. So having a hub like this where people can share, whether it be a guy, girl, or however they identify, can share their stories. It should hopefully encourage others to know it's okay. We've all been dealt these dodgy moments. We've all felt these things where, oh my gosh, I can't continue. Oh, the world's against me. Oh my gosh. Why have you just taken what I said I wanted the most? I've fought so hard, made all the sacrifices. Why? And in your instance, you're saying it's because it's a test. Do you really it's want It's a to? test. And you know what? Let me tell you, um, these things prepared me for my life now because one more thing, all my life, like I didn't know my father. Yeah. I didn't know him, didn't, didn't have a picture, didn't know where he lived, didn't know him. So after, like, I didn't even want to look for him because I was afraid of him saying, no, I don't want to know you. So now I was not afraid anymore. Now I was on dialysis. Now I had this new job. I quit the old one. I didn't even care if I lose the the new one or not. So now fast forward six months, I didn't like the new job and I just quit. I just quit and I did not even have a job. I did not care anymore. I was like, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing websites now. I'm doing my podcast. I'm doing websites. Yeah. Let me see how that goes. Yeah. So now I had time and I wasn't afraid anymore. And that's when I looked for my father. And I did not even look for my father for the to to get a kidney because it does not work like that. Yeah. Um. But it ended up like that. It ended up like me not only finding my father. It ended up not only me finding a new job because of the people I I, I made websites for. It ended up me, my father offering me a kidney. Yeah. So I was rewarded so much for my courage. I was rewarded so much for not being afraid, not being a victim anymore, but being a creator of my own life and always looking for opportunities and, and deal with the things that I'm given, including lockdowns. And (laughs) I'm prepared for that. I mean, right now we have this Ukrainian thing. I don't like it and it does affect me. It does affect me, but I know now I really have the capacity to deal with everything. And I didn't have it back then because I never had to learn it not like that. And I also know that part of this is always to allow myself to feel weak. And I didn't never allow myself to feel weak before that. I think that's super powerful. You know, I appreciate the honesty there. I think a lot of us may not want to admit that we just keep ourselves busy. Like I know recently I've just kept myself super busy and I've been called out on it by a loved one telling me, 
are you okay? Because you are stacked with things to do. And I'm, I know what I'm doing. I am busy myself for a reason, but I'm okay to listen to other people as well and to check myself. And I am going to drop some stuff. I have to. But I think sometimes we can get numb to the pains that we feel and that's dangerous. Yes, sometimes it is a test and sometimes we just need to know the distinction between is it really a test or my body saying, yo, pump the brakes because I'm going to crash. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's, of course, that's an important decision. That's what I have learned as well because there were signs before my kidney failure, but I didn't want to listen to my body. So now my body talks to me and I listen. Yeah. And I know the difference between what is fear Mm -hmm. and what is, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm hurting. I need to process things. Yeah. So there's room for that. Yeah. There's room for that too. So that's, that's an important distinction. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I I you know, it's just something I'm mindful of and something I've got to do. And I think conversations like this are healthy. You mentioned earlier on in the, pod, the episode that, you know, you, you can talk to people if you're quite draining and stuff like that. And that's, I, I fully get that. I, as much as I like talking to people, they, I avoid it because people want to talk to me. And I think they like talking to me because sometimes I can give them life. I can give them energy because I'm super positive. But some people just drain that energy out of you and you leave that conversation feeling super drained and mm-hmm. you feel like, yo, I don't need to see you for another 10 months at least. <laughs> and even yeah. then I'm getting exhausted thinking about when I next see you. Yeah. So in this capacity, I'm having people on that I vibe with. I've, I, I've always had a sort of a good relationship with. They've got a story to tell that I think will encourage other people and will live longer than ourselves. And I think that is super important because I would like to ask you a question, which I think is important because I, I'm trying to keep it close to your heart so that you can be as honest as you want to be. What would you like your son if he was to listen back at this in however many months, years, time? What do you hope that he gets from this if it's only him that hears the story? Oh, he, he was he was there. He he saw my story. We, we We are constantly talking about these things because I encourage him. I really encourage him to go for what he likes. He's still stuck, kind of stuck in this system that tells him he needs a certain degree to be someone. Yeah. So there's that. I cannot change it. I I don't want to take that from him. That's okay. He he lives in this society and he has to make his own um, decisions and experiences and even failures. That's fine. But what he knows, he knows and he's seen it with me, he also sees it with other friends and my friends, family. Don't just follow what everybody does for the sake of belonging. Yeah. When really that's not for you and when it's draining you and when it exhausts you because the success you think you will get out of it or the appreciation, it will be gone in a second when you're weak. So that's nothing. That's nothing you can build on. And that's not even worth it. That's not worth the money you earn. That's not worth um, the cheers or the claps you get or the, the, the image you have of yourself. Don't build on things you can lose in a second. You know, experience and good experiences, good friendships, things you really, really learned because you wanted to learn them. 
this will stay with you. But just doing something, what everybody does, like some job or some study something, do this job and then get a promotion just for the sake of doing it because everybody does it, that will, that will not, if, if things get tough, this will not, there's no value behind it. This will not help you. This will not hold you. So don't just blindly follow what people ask you to do or what people do. No, that's great. And I appreciate he's been through it with you. And I'm so grateful he has been because like you said, if he wasn't here, might have had a different ending. Mm. So I think it's important that we have these conversations because, you know, I could say to, you know, I could say, say my son, oh, yes, you've been through this, but when you hear this back, you might be older in a very mm-hmm. different place. And yeah. I think hearing your words talk about your experience and how, you know, the L's that were handed to you, you can write them off and say, at the time, <laughs> the biggest L I've been offered mm-hmm. both times. But mm-hmm. you know what? I just call that something else. It's not a nail. It's just a learning curve. It's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a test that I've now passed. And I think that's beautiful. Uh, what I'm going to ask you to do, selfish plug, tell everybody everything about you, where they can find you, your socials, what's going on. Because I hear festivals in the works at the minute. If I'm yeah. right. So please <laughs> take the time and do what you got to do. Thank you. Um, so I, as I said, I'm a, I'm a creative entrepreneur. So I, don't only have one business i have two i have um the healer hip hop dot com is my website right now a lot of the content is german but it will be english because i i'm now doing a german hip hop festival an online festival but the next festival will be, will be in november and it will be international it will be european and african artists fantastic and um i'm also working on a on an online course about this whole transformation process, because what could have helped what I know now is getting into the process of uh, being creative. Because that reminds you how much is still inside of you, no matter what happens. So if you just experience, okay, when I, when I start drawing or when I start singing or beatboxing, wow, look at what is inside of me. But we, we rarely take that time. So there is an online course about the whole uh, using creativity to, to help these big transformations that many people go through. It's not just sickness. It's um, losing your job. It's burnouts. It's whatever um, things, uh, breakups, divorces. So there are big transformations in life. So that's something I'm working on. I also want to do music myself. Ooh. That's on a list. So and uh, um, so you can find me on Instagram mostly. It's um, at the Healer Hip Hop, and then the other business. Well, that's mostly German. It's called Digital Business Angel because I want to help other people in my position, especially women, especially mothers, using these big opportunities that that we have nowadays with the online world. Yeah, to free themselves from those limits that they think they have because maybe they're single mothers, maybe they're chronically ill or lost a job or something. So yeah, these are the things I'm doing and I love doing what I'm doing. Yeah. No. And I I could not always say that, but I I'm happy I I can say that now and I earned it. Yeah. Brilliant. So I'm gonna let you end on this part. If it's all right. 
your L's, what would you call them if not an L? What have they been to you? They've been soul callings or the greatest gifts of my life, apart from my son and and my kidney. (laughs) Fair enough. Thank you very, very, very much. Thank you very much to listeners for taking the time out of your day to just join the conversation. Would love to hear your feedback. Go follow Anna. Um, support what she's doing. If you try, if you're good on your German, definitely hit her up. She'll saw you. Like, hear how good her English is. She sounds better than I do, and I'm a native English speaker. But you know, that's another conversation for another time. Thank you very much, Anna. You've been an absolute angel, and I absolutely adore you. You know this from day, um, <laughs> and I'm grateful for our friendship. I just love all that you've done, and I'm so happy that you're still here. And I'm I'm sorry to say this because it's going to sound a bit horrible, but I'm kind of happy you went through what you went through so that I get to meet this version of you because yeah. I think this version of you is absolutely spectacular and I'm so grateful. And I think your son is in a better place because he has a mum like you in this mm-hmm. position who can see things and, and is not doing what she used to do and potentially then would have crashed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, listeners, thank you very much. Hopefully you learned in this episode that there are some big L's being dished out left, right and centre over here. But not all of them are actually a loss. Some of them are a test. Some of them are opportunities. Some of them are the greatest gifts and you just don't know it yet. So look after yourself. You've been listening to the Every L podcast and I look forward to seeing you or hearing from you next. And check your blood pressure, please. Check your blood pressure and uh, uh, look if you can donate an organ or become an organ donor or anything because people out there really, really need that help. Yeah, definitely do that because I gave blood yesterday and I think that's my fourth time doing it. Big clap for that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, really, really. I I needed I needed those things. These are so, so necessary and um, you feel so helpless already. So knowing that there are people out there donating organs or blood or plasma yeah it just these are little things that are so valuable for those people in need yeah because i'm down for the bone marrow as well because i think i'm oh oh something oh 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 negative i think for old i think plus. me too yeah and ro so they said they need me so yesterday when i gave blood i took a picture with the syringe in my arm and i literally just put a caption over it saying doing my bit to help someone I don't know and a family I may never meet. Yeah. And I just think, I hope I don't, but I'd like to think someone out there is going to be in a much better situation because of the choice I made on the day. Much better, much better. It's really, really needed. So thank you for that. In the name Uh, of all chronically ill people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, things can change in the blink of an eye. So, you know, if I don't drink, smoke and all that stuff, why am I keeping this to myself? Let me share it with other people who may need it so no definitely that thank you very much for your time um i look forward to catch up with you offline and thank you very much for joining me thank you for having me